Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we're talking to Boris Chung of A Better Treat. We talk about how A Better Treat makes high-quality dog food with ingredients you will recognize in the bowl. Hey, Boris. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Drew. Really appreciate it, man. Awesome. Tell us about A Better Treat. So we're a like health-first premium pet treat and dog food company. So we have stuff like wild-caught salmon, grass-fed beef, free-range chicken. Basically the same high-quality ingredients that I want to eat. I want to make sure to feed my pets too. Awesome. I love it. Tell me a little bit about you and your background. So a bit about myself. I'm an engineer out of UCLA. I'm Asian, you know, math science guy. Spent a lot of time in CPG with uh, Procter & Gamble and then switched to the startup space with a company called Wink. And then a company called True Classic Tees as their fourth employee. Got to learn a lot as they they grew. They grew quite rapidly. Went from about $9 million when I joined them to over $150 million. So got to definitely see a lot from like the e-commerce space. Was like really enjoyed working there, but really liked, wanted to do my own business and wanted to do something I was more passionate about. And I love my pets. And so what's what's a better way than marrying the fact that I'm super health conscious from LA, really love working out, really want to eat well, and then trying to make my pet basically live as long as possible. I love my Emmy bear. She's a four-year-old golden doodle. I love her to death. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you how did you make that switch? What kind of drove you from, you know, working in big e-commerce to starting your own business and starting a better treat? So definitely as a kid, we always wanted to be in, I don't know, I wanted to believe in the American dream. I wanted to run my own business and be all of that. I think culturally, Asian people are a little bit more risk averse. And so definitely a little scary on my end as well. And my mom has some health issues, so I have to take care of her. So definitely wanted to like learn a bit more, not just take the leap right away. And needed to basically get good footing before pretty much like going in full time. So I worked I worked at uh, different companies while I was doing my business part-time. And we just made the leap to full-time end of last year. So definitely just wanted, like knew I wanted to do it. Was one of those kids that I had lemonade stands growing up and orange orange juice stands. And in California for a while, while I was in middle school, they banned candy from being sold under high school. And so as a middle school kid, I'd go to the, a, the 99 cents store and buy it three for a dollar and then sell it to my classmates for a dollar since there was now a market there. So I uh, always knew I wanted to do it, but uh, just needed to find something that I was interested in. And growing up, I didn't really, I didn't really like have a lot as far as like money's concerned. So I was never really into shopping. And even when I was making better money, I still wasn't super into shopping until I got my dog. And I love shopping for my dog. So it seemed like a perfect fit. Awesome. So what goes into starting a treat and food business for dogs and cats? I mean, I think the number one thing is to do your research and make sure you feel really comfortable for what you're selling. Obviously, this has to do with like the health of people's pets. And I mean, I love my pet. I know a bunch of other people love their pet. I definitely want to, like, I don't feel like much of a salesperson. So I really want to feel good about what, what we're selling and making sure it's as high quality as possible. I think that's a huge, huge piece of it is make sure, do your research and make sure that your pets are eating the best. Because I think that for one, just from peace of mind, that make me feel a lot better. But then also from like a business standpoint, you have expiration dates and things of that nature that are a bit trickier. And so just make sure you're conscious of that because again, we're trying to do what's best for 
for everyone's pet and make sure everyone's as healthy as possible. So let's talk about your high quality sourcing and how you're developing this dog food. Awesome. So on the treat side, we're one one ingredient in freeze dried. So basically, we don't cook. You instead use a vacuum in low temperatures to basically pull water out of ingredients, so that it it basically keeps higher nutritional value, about sixty one percent according to most of the research that I've read against conventional baking or dehydrating because it doesn't use heat essentially. And then pulling out the water helps ensure that like disease can't grow and it makes it shelf stable. It's unfortunately a little bit more costly of a process and that's why most people don't do it. And so our treats are all freeze dried. We also want to make sure that the ingredient itself is as high quality as possible. So we use wild caught salmon, grass fed beef liver, and then free range chicken breast, basically the sourcing standards that I shop for the grocery myself. And the upside of freeze drying and keeping it single ingredient is that you can grab our treat and really test and just look at it and recognize what it is. It'll look like salmon with skin on and then a little marbling. And then for chicken breast, you can see the little muscle fibers on it. So you can really tell what ingredients we're using. And we basically applied that those same treats into our dog food as well. So we mixed in our wild caught salmon or our, or our uh, high protein chicken breast. So that you can see some of the ingredients. Then we also add to freeze-dried broccoli and air-dried carrots. So you can basically recognize some of the ingredients we're using. We also have a high-protein kibble blend that I worked with a PhD in animal nutrition. I'm a big numbers and research guy. And have as high protein as we can get it. So we're at 35% protein. It's one of the most expensive ingredients. So it's why, generally speaking, a lot of the cheaper formulations will have lower protein levels. And we also wanted high omega-3s in both our chicken and salmon mixes. So we wanted to add, add omega-3s to that as well. We at 1% for our salmon and half a percent for our chicken, which is, even though it sounds like low percentage-wise, it's actually quite high for a formula. And then we also had probiotics. I have a 60-pound dog called, who's a golden doodle, and she has a super sensitive stomach. And she really inspired me to make this. And she's big, but she gets diarrhea from one blueberry before. So she's very sensitive stomach-wise. So I wanted to make a formula that was very sensitive to, to dogs like her. And so made sure it's very digestible as well. And so those are our big focuses. I mean, I would just ask, just read the back of the ingredient labels. Look at your stats. The governing body behind pets is AFCO and they their minimums are just that, that are set at minimums. People have to follow it if they want to be AFCO compliant, but that's about 18% is their minimum requirement. We're at about 35. I wouldn't necessarily say that just because a minimum is set that we should be following that. We should be following what we think is healthiest for our pets. And so we're definitely trying to formulate products that can help our pets live as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, two dogs here. Um, one of them is a Shih Tzu, and he's got a very sensitive stomach. And I used to subscribe to BarkBox and they would send, you know, toys and treats. And every, anytime he tried a BarkBox treat, he would get sick. And then I, you know, eventually they added a feature where you could like remove treats from the boxes. And I, you know, we did that because it's just, you know, it, it's not worth, you know, the headache of just giving your dog a treat that's going to just make them sick and then, you know, annoy you really in the end. So that, that's a, that's a pretty big, important factor there. Definitely. I'm, I'm one of those crazy pet parents, dog dads. Like I, I'm a subscriber of, of all that, but it's basically like having a kid, except if you had a kid, your pet basically enjoys healthy food or not healthy food as well. Like they like both. So if you had like a, a real child that loved spinach and candy the same amount, why would you ever feed them candy? 
And that's my big thing. It's like, well, your, your pets, my pets love the healthy stuff as well. It's not like they're complaining if I can't give them junk food or whatever it happens to be. They love the treats either, either way. And it's healthy for them. So I just don't subscribe or like understand why would take a shortcut there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, even with some of the, the higher end dog foods, you know, we, uh, I won't name any names, but we upgraded our dog food to a more expensive brand. And we thought, you know, maybe this is going to, you know, be better for a stomach. It was a lower ingredient one. And then we looked at the label and we were like, oh, actually, this is not that great. And then we ended up switching yet again to another dog food company. And it's just like their life is so much better when they're getting the right food. So I think that's that's um, pretty cool. Do you have any interesting like success stories from clients who have switched to your food and found success? Yeah, we have quite a few and you can actually read our views online as well. So we have a lot of people that have a lot of issues with scratching and itchy basically like consistent scratching. And they said that our dog food really helps them from a like omega-3 standpoint. And their skin and coat look a lot better and they don't scratch quite a bit more. It was one of our big success stories that we were definitely shooting for, but it was good to see it actually like come through fruition and get reviews from people like I don't even know that are basically saying like, yes, this really works. This is exactly what I was looking for. And then for picky eaters, such, I mean, Emmy is also a very picky eater and doesn't take the food as well. So they think that the the toppers with having like the wild-caught salmon and freeze-dried broccoli and air-dried carrots mixed in, and carrots are pretty well known to help basically with digestion as well. But having those kind of mixed in helps their dog start eating and helps their dog like eat to completion rather than just leave their food there. So those are probably the, the most common success stories that I hear. But those are definitely the two areas that I was really shooting for as well when I was making the formulation because, I mean, I'm definitely inspired by my Emmy bear and her very, very sensitive stomach. So I'm glad that we're hitting those those two key components. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you selling? Are you direct-to-consumer only or are you selling in stores as well? So we started direct-to-consumer and that's basically how we got our business model started so that we actually jump into it full-time and that we can make a little bit of money. So they can still take care of the family. So we're available on our website. So www.abettertreat.com and Amazon as well. And then we just got onto our first roughly 10 stores in Los Angeles and Houston. And we're about to basically make a bigger wholesale push. So hopefully you'll see us in stores soon, but definitely looking to get stores as well, because obviously for dog food, like I'm, I love my dog. I'm, quite brand loyal as well honestly like once my dog eats a food like i can't really swap her because she gets diarrhea super easily so i understand that being just e-commerce will hurt some con- consumers and so we want to be in we want to be in stores and online because if someone tries this online and they forget to order i'm 100 percent sure no one lets their dog starve so they're gonna go into store and you know grab dog food i love them to make sure they stay on my dog food and so that it stays consistent so definitely pushing to be in both but right now you can find us online for those who want to subscribe. We have obviously subscribe and save as, as well. So that'll keep it tighter. But I do understand that some people don't like doing that and that they want us to be available online and in stores. We're trying to do both. Yeah, absolutely. Subscribe and save. I think the only um, physical products that I actually am subscribed to are for my dogs because you just you, you don't want to run out. So yeah, I definitely would recommend subscribe and save to anybody who is not already doing that for their dog food save you a couple trips to PetSmart. What would you say has been the hardest part of starting this business? In my opinion, it's probably two areas specifically. 
I'm a solo founder, so I didn't realize how lonely it is, especially when you're used to working with teams and stuff. Like when you're first getting started, especially when you're getting started on e-commerce, you're not even talking to some of your, like, your customer. I mean, you email sometimes, but for the most part, you're not even talking to customers. It's You're just trying to get your business off the ground and you're making a lot of decisions on how does your brand look? How does your packaging look? How do you want your website to look? And there's thousands of decisions where you kind of just wish that you could talk to someone else and say, hey, what do you think? And I bother my fiance sometimes or bother my friends sometimes, but obviously they don't work there, so they don't want a million questions. So definitely there's like the loneliness piece that has recently gotten better because we made our first hire, so that's exciting. And then the other piece would be the like risk piece. Obviously, we you know, like I knew, I need to take care of my mom and my fiance was in between jobs for a period there. So I need to make sure that it was stable enough. So just the like risk element of yes, we're not taking a salary for a little while once I go full time and things of that that nature, especially given culturally we have relatively low risk risk tolerance. The, between those two are probably the toughest challenges, at least on my end. Absolutely. Yeah, that uh, the jump to full time business owner from a salaried employee is a pretty scary one and adds a lot of stress because you kind of feel like there's a lot of targets that you're solely in control of that you have to hit in order to be able to provide for your family. So I think that's definitely a pretty good one. It's a, an interesting insight. Not a lot of people talk about that being like a hard part of a business, but that is like absolutely one of the biggest things. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a business with like pet food? Well, so from the part I just talked on the loneliness element, I'd say it gets a lot better if you try to make the like well and it's i think just help more helpful when you're starting a business try to make other people in, in similar stages to you i have what i call like a mastermind group basically people within a year or two years some of them are a little earlier stage some of them are a little farther along than me definitely really helpful to get advice and they know exactly what you're going through so especially if you get them close to your timeline of where you're at with your business so i definitely recommend that from both a loneliness piece and from a business perspective from specifically in the the pet industry, I'd say, again, make sure you do your research, make sure you feel really comfortable knowing what you're selling, and that you're selling something healthy for everyone. And then obviously be mindful of expiration dates and such. As far as the like more nitty gritty specifics, just understand your, your go to market on where you fit in the pet space and how, how you want to like get in front of your, the, the right consumers. I feel like and I'm, I would say I was in this list too of like, you know, a lot of people love their pets, but you need to make sure that you can find the market that you're like shooting for when you're like making your products. So really think about the go to market piece of like, how are you going to get in front of the right people? I feel like people who love their pets and I think that, you know, you have to love your pet and have to be exuberant, like you want to get into this. But at the same time, you, you should definitely think through, how am I going to get in front of the right people to buy my products? And that's like a big piece that, I think people focus a lot on the product, which is definitely a good thing. And you should focus a lot on your product, but to make it like a business and not just a product, you need to make sure that you are able to find your customer appropriately. If that's e-commerce, if that's going store to store, if that's trade shows, whatever it happens to be, like you want to have a good strategy for like how you're getting in front of the right people. Absolutely. That's the uh, part one, make a product. Part two, sell your product. <laughs> so you definitely need you definitely need the to find your market and be able to you know advertise to them in some way uh, in order to be successful. Um, with the 
pet products in terms of food and supplements and whatnot, I know that like even in the you know human supplement industry, there's not a lot of regulation. What does that like regulation environment look like for pet products, and what should people be looking out for when like they're buying stuff that maybe isn't like thoroughly tested? So I definitely say so. Supplement side is probably the least regulated, both on the human and pet side. My big thing is just make sure you're looking for third party testing. That'd be the biggest. The more specific they are on the third party testing, I think the better, because then you can actually research your the like who's doing the third party testing, and you're gonna feel more comfortable based on that fact. My opinion, because even I'd say the biggest watch out is you can you want to make sure your stats are good as far as like the measurements of like how much omega threes you have or how much ever whatever you're like shooting for for your supplement, but then make sure there's no contamination, especially with fish. That's like a big one, both mercury, heavy metals, things of that nature. Because I think. I'm a subscriber of wild caught fish is, is healthier, but you do need to watch out because there's even in the ocean, there's natural contamination there. So I think third party testing is going to be the, one of the biggest for dog food and treats. You have a little bit more as far as like regulations concerned, but I definitely make sure you read ingredients and understand where your products are being made. Generally speaking, the closer to your manufacturer, from your like sourcing, so like from where where your farm for your beef or fish or whatever it happens to be you're getting it from, the closer from that to where you're manufacturing it, the better and more high quality it's gonna be because it has less chance to obviously go bad. And when they're doing testing, they're not necessarily testing they they generally are testing their best stuff, not not the stuff that maybe was in transit longer than before or anything of that nature. So definitely be mindful of that and then just understand what you're comfortable with. We're all made in the US and I, I think I'm definitely a believer in that from a, like a regulation perspective because our facilities at minimum have to be regulated and we're trying to be basically like human grade for all of our ingredients and for our like facility itself. And so even for the facilities, if they talk about their certifications, I think that's a big thing as well. Awesome. Before we wrap up, I want to give you one more chance to tell everyone where to find you. Yep. So find us online at www.abettertreat.com or follow us on Instagram at abettertreat. We're super excited. Or we're also available on Amazon and Chewy soon in the next like two months. So follow us on Instagram. You'll get some updates. We're also going to be releasing a new product soon for freeze-dried USDA organic pumpkin. It'll be single ingredient again for, for the very sensitive stomachs out there. I know I use pumpkin a lot, and right now it's mainly a puree and a powder, which are like the two most common, which I do use as well. Unfortunately, it's kind of messy, and then I use the puree up until Emmy doesn't have diarrhea anymore. Then I put it away, and then I end up throwing it away, unless she has diarrhea like literally the next week. So we're basically making a freeze-dried treat version. that will just be one ingredient, and so you can use it as a treat. You can pour it over as a topper. You can close it as a zipper, and it won't be as messy as the powders and purees. So follow us, learn more. We're going to be launching that in a couple months here. Very excited for that product. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you, Boris. It was great talking to you today. Awesome, Drew. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.